0: Thanks for tuning in. This is questions you never thought you could ask in church. This is a podcast where we simply invite you to text questions in that you might have about God or Christianity, maybe about Jesus or the Bible. Maybe things that you don't know who to ask, where to ask, how to ask, or or just kind of simply wrestling through. Maybe there are things that are challenging you in your faith. Maybe there are things that are keeping you from faith. Maybe there are things that have caused you to lose faith or anything in between. Maybe it's something direct to you. Maybe it's someone that you know, whatever it happens to be. We think God is a God who wants us to ask the questions that we're asking. We think it's part of the spiritual journey. And we think church should be a place where you could ask the questions you have, no matter how crazy, how stupid, how complex, how heretical, how evil, how good, how convoluted, or how simplistic they might be. It's pretty easy. Text them in 815-314-0363. I'll give you that one more time. 815 314 Zero three six three. My name is David Godini here in studio today with Andrew Metcalf. We've got Steve Wells back with us today at Kent Jones producing. Hey. Hello. Yeah. I know you do. You're waving to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey Steve. I enjoy it. We, we appreciate the wave here in house, Kent. You know, Kent Kent dished us up with something special here today. So he's like, How would you like some banana pudding moonshine? That that apparently Kent has been brewing here in the studio. Or his bathtub, the one bath. of the two, <laughs> and uh, he he comes out with his mason jar today that looks like it was dug up from you know like little house on the prairie or something like that. And uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I got
0: to tell you this is this is really working. It's you know, delicious. This, this is this is fantastic. Whatever you're doing here, Kent, this is yeah. you know you, you you should like bottle this beyond a single bottle. You know for some you, benefits. You,
1: it's just yeah, of, you
2: need to add it to the store.
1: We'll put it up on the show.
2: Yeah. What would we call it.
1: license for that, or
0: how does that work?
1: I think you
0: would. Would you? <laughs> that's too bad. That's too bad. I'd imagine so. <laughs> a little free banana pudding moonshine here at 21.6 The Net. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's not
2: Ted Ligal asks, hey, guys, how are you How 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 are 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 you? all? See, I've had so much moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we are, Ted. It's been a Steve, great day. Steve's about
0: two tablespoons
2: <laughs> in, and he's hit his limit here on the show today. <laughs> it's got <laughs> warm in here now. i got to take my jacket off.
3: It got described to me as breast milk, yeah, so I politely true. declined. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, And it, it really sadly does look like it in the jar. You know, I, I really wish that that jar was not transparent. Yeah. Because <laughs> That's a I little just, creepy. Yeah.
2: I guess we're a little creepy, though. Yeah, it, we, you know? Admittedly.
0: Or at least yeah. I am. <laughs> <It's>
1: just, <I'm laughs> speak the speak the creepiness break. it does
2: raise when you're on the show, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> speak well, for yourself. I have to make up for lost <laughs> time. <laughs> we're, we're going down the road here a
1: question you wouldn't want to ask in church. Yeah. Yeah. In the jar.
2: Yeah. Well, no one's asked, like, hey, where were
0: you, Steve? I, I was going to make a comment that you weren't here. <laughs> if you would like to know where Steve is, text into the show at 815 And only then will I tell you. Post it on Facebook, right? Until then. <laughs> Until then, I'm. Steve wants to be pursued. The information is not coming out. So I was at a uh, yeah. pastor's conference up in Lake Lawn Lodge yesterday, which is, a, it's actually a pretty cool resort this time of year up in Delavan, Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't think we knew that. So uh, no, no, you didn't tell us. I just kind of sneak off sometimes. Other people knew on staff. (laughs) I didn't. I just didn't know. Well, you were in a fog last week, and Andrew. I mean, you were. You were. (laughs) I only listened like half the time. Yeah, I know. So (laughs) (laughs) no. So we were there, and we were gathered up. uh, You know, afterwards, and up in one of these guys' rooms, and they were. uh, The one guy was sharing at his church how whenever they serve communion wine, they polish it off at the end. And this is actually a pretty common practice in like Roman Catholicism, for example, where, you know, if there's the belief that this has actually been, you know, transformed into the blood of Christ, you don't hold that lightly and you don't want to risk that just kind of like laying around and they don't spill it. So, so it's common in the, in the Catholic tradition, or at least was, I believe it still is, if you're a priest, please let us know, um, that you finish it off, whatever is left, you know, unconsumed. So he's assisting with communion and this guy's in clergy, he just helps out, but the pastor gives it to him, he's like, here, finish this flagging off. And then they go and they start cleaning up. And he's like, here, finish this flagging off. So he's like, two in, mm. but not much in it. And he's like, he's walking away 10 minutes later going, this is literally leveling me. This is flooring me. <laughs> like, like, they, was it, a, little,
3: a little extra
2: in that and he's wine. Howard, he's like, like,
0: this should not really be hitting me. It's probably like a combined total of like maybe two glasses or a glass and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Comes to find out later on that what they're using for communion wine there is port. Oh. And I'm like, mm-hmm. That's the most phenomenal communion wine and practice I think I've ever heard right there, you know? Who's using port? Yeah.
2: Well, it.
0: I mean, right Logan after David that, they do the <laughs> offering.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, I'll give. <laughs> How I think, think that Mogan and
0: David they have defense, an open bar exactly. that we yeah. use. It's, you know, four bucks for a gallon, you know, and you screw the cap off. and uh, Yeah, port with guilt. I mean, you got a lot of money coming in. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So you're saying there might be
0: some changes coming I to flf so. in the coming
3: weeks. We're going what is it banana pudding moonshine is that what it banana was? Banana
0: pudding moonshine, which again, I got to tell you off the bat that does not appeal to me in any way whatsoever. Banana pudding. I love it banana is, pudding. Oh, so it's it's like the yeah. best of all
2: worlds. I don't want to
3: drink it though.
2: Mm. Yeah, me neither. See, yeah. I'm okay with that because when I was little and I would make pudding cuz you know that what else do you do when you're a kid and you're bored up oh, and that, during the summer? I'm going to tell you that's Well, difficult. you're going to make pudding pops. Do you ever make pudding oh, pops? See? Oh my gosh, you guys are missing <laughs> out.
1: The plastic Tupperware We
2: could there. not afford the Bill Cosby pudding pops, right? right? Jello. Yeah. I mean, they're expensive when you're on a fixed income. I don't know, that they should just be branded as Bill Cosby's pudding yep, pops. Yep. <laughs> that's what we had. <laughs> uh he made the best pudding pops bill cosby so
3: was there more to this story yes
2: there is (laughs) okay sorry so when you're making it my point to this was is that the banana pudding moonshine was a lot like the when you're mixing up the pudding Mm -hmm. and it hasn't Pudding yet? Pudding yet? Yeah, that's a great word. Congealed, <laughs> thickened, maybe <laughs> <laughs> that it's 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 just like liquid. So I would get impatient and I would pour a cl- or just a glass of that, and drink it, and then put the rest in the freezer to make pudding okay. pops. So that's what that moonshine with the lack of the moonshine tasted like. So
0: there we go. There we go. It's a good show so far. <laughs> this is a great show. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Kelly says, "No more wine in the box." <laughs> <laughs> no box wine is higher up than
0: yeah. Like, than that's, what true, we're, than yeah.
3: that's true. The glass gallon of <laughs> maybe someday we'll graduate to
2: box
0: wine for union wine, right? Yeah.
2: Kelly <laughs> yeah. says, yeah. "Where is Steve?" Kelly wants to know. Kelly, let me tell you. I, at about one o'clock last week, had the realization. You know when you just all of a sudden something hits you, and then your your mind it's like an out of body experience, and your mind just your head like swivels around, and you're oh my gosh, what just I forgot. I forgot that we were having a show. And then I got a notification on Facebook that said, hey, uh, questions you never thought you could ask in churches on. I'm like,
3: oh my goodness, I was supposed to be there. Like, they could do it without me? Uh,
2: so that's where I was last week. And I just needed a week off, I guess.
3: Apparently. So, yeah. I thought about calling you on my way here yeah. but to then, make sure you were coming. See,
2: that's the thing. Like, All three of you just... I thought you had my back. Like, maybe he's on thirty-one and he is in an accident. Maybe he's at church, but no one
3: called me. Guys, we could have we could have made a horrible story up. You could have, and we didn't do that. So at least (laughs) take take that for what it's worth. Too much banana pudding, says Steve.
0: That's too too much of a lot of stuff, Steve. Uh, All right, Andrew, what do we got in the inbox here?
3: I, I I. this one is like second or third on the list, but I, I think I want to start with it. Okay. Um, talking about Jeffrey Dahmer.
2: Hey, I've been watching this. Have you? How yes, you been? I have. I'm. Uh, we're on, on episode eight. Okay. Oh, so, so we got we got eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, you're so, okay. I, said, I just finished it. <clears throat> seven. I will tell you ago. this: if you're looking to watch the series, bypass seven. Okay. Yeah, it is all just a. It's like, why well, you didn't have to go? It's here. not worth the hour. You it's can an agenda. On. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They had to get that in. So
3: of course. Okay. Yep. Of course. Well, here's here's a question that came in. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer is being glamorized again with the latest Netflix specials. Um, in it, we are reminded of his horrendous actions, satanic rituals, and then later being baptized and killed by a Christian prisoner. Baptized, and separately killed by a Christian prisoner. Um, would you say he was actually saved by grace or was the Christian prisoner acting like an angel fighting off a demon trying to exploit those who believe and are baptized, are saved?
0: Okay, so you All think right. about I, that. I'm to unpack some of like, so, so I think what this is asking, and yeah, let me just- I'm looking at the phrasing here, see. yeah. So I think what it's saying is, do I think that Jeffrey Dahmer was actually saved or do I think that this other Christian prisoner who killed him? purportedly mm-hmm. was an agent of God, so to speak. Yeah, uh, and and killing him almost by God's or behest, and killing Dahmer because Dahmer, Dahmer was truly a demon, and, and and as a demon, more or less deceiving people into thinking that anyone who's believe who believes in Christ and is baptized is saved. Is that how um is that how to unpack this one? You think? I think so. Yeah. Okay, that's how I, I'm reading I, I
3: must it. Have a, a, not addition to that, but the. In this in this series, the the person who kills Dahmer is also a Christian. So is he doing the Lord's work? The Lord's work, is yeah. What he's doing, here yeah. Or not? How's that twisted?
0: That yeah, yeah. Okay. So, great question. And Steve, were you going to jump into something? No, i will okay. <clears throat> bypass that. So I'll start off by saying I have not seen it yet. Um, so many people have been talking about it. I got to get into this thing. So, I, you know, I lived through it, obviously, and I lived through it through, you know, hearing newscasts and
2: it is fiction, stuff like by the that. Way.
0: Like, they, they, there's
2: this is not they the don't, Netflix special, it's, you're yes, talking about. It's yeah, it's dramatized, dramatized. F- it's fiction, yeah. So,
0: they've added stuff to it, yeah. So, so where where the fact in fiction is, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm not, I, I didn't follow this stuff closely other than knowing the guy's name and hearing the story, but I do remember hearing back in the 90s, wasn't it? Not yet. Yeah. Yeah, Late 80s, 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. I do remember hearing back then that while Dahmer was in prison, he did come to Christ and was baptized. I knew he was murdered in prison. I didn't know it was by a Christian inmate or an inmate who claimed to be Christian. Um, But regardless, uh, let me just kind of unpack some things here. Um, Would you say Dahmer was actually saved by grace? If Dahmer threw himself on the mercy of Christ? Absolutely. That is the scandal of grace in Christianity, that God's grace is so big, it could even cover the most horrendous acts and painful acts like that. And that's a big stumbling block for a lot of people. And Jesus even knew that. And Jesus even refers to himself as a as a stone over which people stumble, because at some level, people just can't wrap their mind around how God could be gracious to someone like that. But without knowing sincerity, without getting into all the particulars of what's going on, just putting it out there as, as a... As a Just kind of general statement, if Jeffrey Dahmer or anyone else repented of their sins, so to speak, came to realize the wrongness of their ways through themselves on God's mercy, asked for forgiveness. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Dahmer was saved. Now, that does not necessarily negate the second part of this question, because you can be saved by God's grace and still face the consequences as God would even ordain, so to speak, for your actions. And this happens all the time with people on death row. Um, we were talking this past Sunday. It's, it's an old Stephen Curtis Chapman song, also from the 90s, and it's called I'm Free. And it's based on that line in John 8 where Jesus says that the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And uh, basically the, the context of the song or the story behind the song, the song is Stephen Curtis Chapman is, is ministering in a maximum security prison with people on death row. And he's ministering to this guy for the last time before he's going to be executed. And this man on death row coming to realize the freedom he has in Christ, even though he's in more, shall we say enslavement or bondage than humanly imaginable to anyone else, right? Coming to realize I'm still going to face what I would call an earthly consequence for my actions. That's even just and right, even though God has washed my sins away. So there is a possible both. And now to say that this Christian prisoner was being an instrument of God and acting rightly in God, God certainly does raise up what we would call evil people to do his work. And you see this throughout the Old Testament narrative all the time. For example, Babylon, which is the, like the archetypal enemy of the people of Israel, evil in every way imaginable, is always described in the prophets as being an instrument to the hand of God. At the same time, that does not mean God condones, justifies forces, or orchestrates what they are going to do. And so they are still fully culpable before God for their actions and responsible for things God doesn't want them to do, even though God uses them. And I know there's a paradox in there, and I know that raises another set of questions. Um, so, how that plays out in the specific instance, I don't know. I'm always very, very leery to look at like vigilante justice and go, well, you're doing the Lord's work by killing someone else, right? I'll I'll, I'll let a prophet tell me when that happens and otherwise go, you know, God seems to say that's what the state's role is or the government's Mm -hmm. role is. Romans chapter 13, for example, and uh, I think it takes you down some very uh, um, sketchy territory to go that way with it, but uh, hopefully that helps you out.
3: Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a tough tough watch, uh, just the show in, in, in general because it's obviously very gruesome and covering very tough topics. But the one one thing that was interesting to me is i I found myself almost being empathetic for him mm. in watching this.
0: Sounds like good directing, huh?
3: Yeah, it's, it's just a and
0: how so? Yeah,
3: almost in that I don't know. It, it made me think differently about. Murderous, serial, political, types of things because <coughs> something's not right in their brain, and that this is the the right thing to do. This is their only mm-hmm. option things to do something like that. So it's like, yeah, where where is their their will in this? Their desire to do this? It's like I don't know. It's like can they control that, or have they been trying to control it and now it slipped through? Like. I don't know. It was very interesting to think that I used to think like, "Yeah, this person's the devil. They're awful. They're choosing these horrible things to do." And it's kind of like, okay, now that's now that's a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it's easier for me to see that, or to maybe understand that that grace and that compassion that that you know, if he was truly believing and getting baptized, it's like, yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> that's the right thing to do.
0: Right? And I think that's a good thing that you're to pity. Yeah. You know, it doesn't justify the actions. It doesn't make them any less evil or any less horrific or try to soft pedal them, but isn't that what we're called to do as believers in Christ is have a different kind of heart and a different kind of attitude that breaks over the people who are tormented in this world and even the tormentors, praying that they'd be saved.
2: Yeah, right? and, and I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think that, you know, whether or not this was, the way they portrayed him was actually how he was. We don't know that, right? Because we we didn't live a life in his shoes. But if he was the way that they portrayed him, totally, I would have empathy. You know, it's like, I I, I feel sorry for the guy as far as like having those thoughts, going through those actions, doing what he did. Even he said, I wish I was dead. Like, I didn't want to do yeah. this. So to to be, not not that I'm you know, saying, Hey, what he did was justified, totally not justified, mm-hmm. but to be in that type of turmoil and to, for, for those thoughts to lead to those actions, of course, I'm going to feel sorry for someone that, that does that, you mm-hmm. know, like that's a sad person,
0: mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. 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 Great question. Text him in 815-314-0363. What do we get next?
3: Yeah. We got one in the comments here. Um, Steve's. Discuss. Yeah. Steve says, um, why does it seem that only the Catholics practice confession with another human? So in in person confession, one on one confession.
0: Yeah, yeah, because the Catholics have held on to something that everyone else is unfortunately given up. Yeah, short answer. It's 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 a great practice to do one-to-one confession with someone else. And uh, quite honestly, um, Protestantism has become so secularized that we've replaced it with counselors Mm -hmm. today, and we pay them hundreds of dollars to get non-spiritually grounded advice, oftentimes. And that doesn't mean it's not wise advice or good advice, that there isn't tremendous insights into the human condition from them. I'm not suggesting that. But uh, how many people are just flat out carrying guilt that hits them at a systemic level that— so many people don't know how to identify realize or what to do with and Christianity offers an answer to it and people are willing to do it for free Mm -hmm. in the Christian church. Yeah. 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 It's too bad.
3: Yeah. I think we talked about this maybe last week or within the last week, something like that. Not only is it, is it that for that person to, you know, get off their chest, what is on their chest or share whatever is going on, but also in, receiving the proclamation of forgiveness in person
0: there's power in the words
3: yeah it's 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 one thing on a sunday morning to do the corporate confession and get your the corporate absolution but i don't know i leave that sometimes going like okay well i said those words but what about hmm. this thing that i didn't talk about or okay he forgave everyone but what about this you know, this thing or what about
0: Yeah. It? Just like you want a yeah, personal it, relationship it, 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 with personal God. Relationship. You want it personalized. Right. Right. Well, and, maybe we do this instead of the,
2: Hey, welcome everybody. Why don't you stand up and, you know, say hi to someone. We just say, Hey, welcome everybody. I want you to stand up and turn to the person next to you and confess, confess a sin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll go well. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to practice?
0: <laughs> right. Right.
2: <Let's> go. <laughs> uh, Kelly says why do why do Catholics pray to Mary for forgiveness? That's not in the Bible. Well, I don't know. Like I'm always assuming that it's kind of like the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, right? So Mary's not actually the one forgiving us. Forgive us, forgiving our sins. And I don't know does Catholicism believe that Mary's actually forgiving sins?
0: No, no. Okay. It's kind of a big misconception yeah. about uh the Catholic practice of the saints. And I'm going to say something off the bat going I'll give you the the actual theological position, which often is very far from practice, because every Christian since the time of Christ has in some way been distorting what it's supposed to be and making up their own version. So is there a lot of Catholics who are mistakenly praying to saints and asking those saints like Mary, for example, for something? Yes. And they shouldn't be because that's mm. not even Catholic. Right. Um, what, 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 what they do, uh, here, here's the easiest way to put it. This is the best way I've ever hooded heard it put from a Catholic theologian. And I'll ask you two guys, have you ever asked someone to pray for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course we all have. Cause we know that there's power in that. We know that there's um, a solidarity in that and maybe a lot of other things. Well, in the apostles creed, there's this line called the communion of the saints. And basically what this taps on is that anyone who is in Christ is united as part of the body of Christ. So, you know, we share a certain bond right here in the studio because we're all part of Christ's body um, quote brothers, if you will, even though we don't share a biological bond, right? Well, what's cool about it is from a biblical perspective that actually just transcends the space. It also goes into time. So people who are dead, you're still part of the communion of saints with, right? Mm-hmm. People who have lived 800 years ago are still part of that communion of saints. People who are going to yet be born 300 years from now are still kind of part of this body. And once you're alive in Christ, even though you die, there's still something there, right? In Revelation, you get these these strange, arguably symbolic lines of the saints in heaven pouring out these bowls, these incense bowls before the throne of God, which are the prayers of the people. And kind of piggybacking off that idea, it really developed into an idea that, well, what if you ask Mary to pray for you? What do you ask these other people to pray for you? And that's what it is. And if you think of even the most basic prayer to Mary, which is the Hail Mary, Hail Mary full of grace, you know, and I'll jump to the end. Pray for us sinners. So, like when you say Hail Mary, you're kind of just going, you know, you're trying to get attention. That's not, yeah. You're not praying to Mary or you shouldn't be praying to Mary, but you're invoking her, at least in what Catholic theology is supposed to be, to pray on your behalf. Now, whether that's good to do, whether you need to do that, that's another set of questions. But to the question being asked here that's what's going on
3: yeah and i think i've heard it that like i don't know if it's in dramatizations of confession or just something that came up in my mind of that uh, in the catholic church you go to private confession they'd be like okay now say 10 hell marys and then you're good so like yeah, that idea yeah, of that I mean, you're getting forgiveness because of this requirement that you're now fulfilling, and so it seems like yeah, that is the gift of it. And I don't even think that's accurate to what Catholic confession is actually.
0: Well, like. What's happening there, and I know, and that's what I think kind of ruins it for people because it feels like this ritualistic thing, like just jump yeah. through the right set of hoops, and you know, you plugged in the right numbers to for the formula, and say there, this thing, turn around three
3: times, and yeah, talk yeah I and think now it's you're goofy good. That yeah,
0: prayer. But what's happening there is they're conflating two different ideas. They're conflating this idea of praying. Or, or, or invoking the saints, if you will, to pray for you with, in Roman Catholicism, the sacrament of penance. And the sacrament of penance is physical or tangible acts or demonstrations of being repentant, right? And, uh, and I think we've all been there at one time or another where, you know, you ask God to forgive you. And sometimes you just kind of have this gnawing guilt. Or sometimes you just feel like you need to do something. And I don't mean you need to do something in order to be forgiven. But you want to make it right, or you want to show your remorse, or you want to uh, break yourself a little bit because you really feel beat up about it. That's kind of what this is tapping. Forgive yourself, too, because that's another another piece of that. That, too. And so what they're doing, like these priests would be doing, is just taking, well, here's a good prayer to memorize. What do I have you do? Well, you know get get some people praying for you get mary praying for you so say ten of these and you know you're going to have to kind of struggle a little bit to do it and take some time and be a little thoughtful about it that's the intent behind it but it often doesn't get translated that way and that was the reformers big mm. objection it's kind of fascinating that if you read like the book of concord which is the confessional documents of the lutheran church you can look in what's called the formula of concord's epitome um uh, chapter 3 or whatever it actually leaves open the idea that asking the saints to pray for you might be an okay thing. Um, and that's, I think, surprising to a lot of Lutherans today because they're like, wait a minute, you know, that just feels like, you know, <sighs> you know chase the vampire off of the cross kind of thing. That's not how the early reformers approached it, but they said we don't do the practice because it's been so bastardized and it's been so abused and it's so poised for abuse as it was in the 16th century that it was better to, and this is my language now, fast from it rather than continue to fall victim to it. Almost like Mm -hmm. someone, you know, who's got an alcohol issue, just cut it out of your life. Because even if it might be a gift of God, arguably, you're better off not doing it because of what it's causing for you. And that's kind of how the Mm -hmm. reformers approached this issue, uh, specifically asking the saints to pray for you back in the uh, late 1500s. So, do you think if I were
2: to ask any of the saints, doesn't matter, let's say Mary, to pray for me, do you think Mary's actually doing it?
0: Well, doing it? Yeah, listen you to me. can't hear.
2: hear me? Well, that's why you got to say, Hail Mary. Oh, right? you You oh, got to get attention, you know? Hey, Set up hey, some flares.
0: Hey, yeah. Yeah, but, no, no, but seriously, yeah. sincerely, well, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah.
2: like, I'm going to hope that once I die, I mean, I'm a saint, Right?
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and even before you die, St. Steve. And, and I think it's even mistaken to use right. the, the saint the that when you term, die, you're a sinner too. So but,
2: my point yeah. is to that, that I'm hoping that, well, let's say I go before Andrew and Andrew's like, oh man, I really, yeah, I know. really, really <laughs> wish Steve were here to help me with this.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: going to pray and ask him to pray for, for me. There you go. Well, I'm hoping that I don't hear any of his prayers.
3: (laughs) Well, it depends on if I direct (laughs) them at you or not. Like, can you eavesdrop? Can you pick Uh, up the other line in the house and listen?
0: What am I aware of? I don't think she's aware of anything. And look, and I'm just, you know, it almost sounds like I'm arguing for this and I'm not, but I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate because I want to give theological systems the fair shake of what they're trying to do. Right. Yeah. But, you know, as Steve, I know you're a James guy. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of one of the proof texts they often use, though, to counter, really, should I do this? And it's James 5, verse, uh, um, the back half of 16, where it says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of believe that it, it, at some core. They, they're just extrapolating it out right. to this dead communion of the saints. Mm-hmm. But it does beg all these questions, right? Do they actually hear us? Um, Are they actually attuned to what we're saying here? Um, Are are they conscious of of what's going on? And I kind of think no, Um, which is why I don't practice it or espouse it or, or things like that. And that opens up another matter of things. But anyway, yeah,
2: there you go. Well, and I guess my thought process on that is, you know, there's no more sadness, no more Anything that's negative, I guess, or at least that's the thought anyway, like all those things are gone. Yeah. So is that in the new heaven and new earth, which hasn't been created yet? So therefore maybe, maybe, maybe I'm switching my thought process on this to where those aren't, we're not in the new heaven, new earth yet. So maybe Mary is there and she can still see some of the pain that I'm going through. Right. Because if it was the new heaven, new earth, and she can no longer be sad
0: yeah well then she couldn't see what i'm going i through. don't think you could jump to the new heaven new earth okay though. i mean i i i i, 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 I like it but <laughs> you know that, that's that's christ coming again you know no one's in the new heaven new earth yet people in heaven that's what i'm new. saying they're in the old heaven right right yeah they're waiting for the renovations right <laughs> you know those, the those tarps heaven, have been up a long time kitchen's over not the done kitchen. yet kitchen's yeah. not done yet
2: but in the old heaven but it's gonna be great can you experience it's gonna be those, great when it's done those the loss and the pain and
0: You know, and and, and it's it's always hard to kind of run to Revelation Mm -hmm. for this kind of stuff because it's such a symbolic book. Mm -hmm. But really the only teasers you get are from the book of Revelation, Mm -hmm. I think at least from the canonical scriptures. And, you know, you do have in Revelation chapter 6 where you have what are called the saints who were beheaded under the altar of God crying out, How long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood and bring justice on the earth? Now, does that mean because they still see what's going on in the earth or they're just because they're waiting for they their know what happened to them, yeah. you know, that they, they went through it? I mean, how are they crying out? That's interesting. Well, that's interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a phenomenal question. But I guess then we could ask, how does anyone cry out if they don't have vocal cords? That's yeah, true. You, you well, know, they so, couldn't cry. Because so, so we know we're dealing with like imagery, right? Attached. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we're getting too far into this. <laughs> <laughs> too
2: much mojai. <laughs> I didn't have any. <laughs>
0: All right, Kip, we're top of the hour. You want to give a shout-out?
1: Yep, let me make sure I can do that. It is time uh, to tune in to Questions You Never Thought You Asked in Church. We are live every Wednesday right here at 1230 Central. Text your questions to 815 363 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Whenever it crosses your mind texted in. Uh, we'll get to them. And if you are out there on social media right now on fellowship of faith YouTube, 216net YouTube, fellowship of faith Facebook, uh 216net Facebook, you can also put your questions in there live as some people are doing and we'll jump on those as well. Uh, on Sunday mornings at 9:55, tune in sharp at 216net.com at 2 uh well at Fa- uh, fellowship of faith <laughs> Facebook Fellowship of Faith, <laughs> uh, Fellowship of Facebook, and go to plus and you can uh, jump on live with them. If you can't make it there, they do in person. I don't know why we say that still in 2022, but it's important to know, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> all the good stuff. And if you want to be part of this show, doors always open. Come on in. Come
3: right. on I, in. I mean, I like that slip of the tongue. Fellowship of Facebook is that our is that our metaverse uh, campus? Yeah, I think that's
0: our metaverse campus. Fellowship of Facebook. Uh, yeah. Well, you got to get on it now because someone's going to hear that and like yeah, open yeah. up that. I'll, I'll message Mark, Mark I'll write, Zuckerberg, I'll see I'll what he says. Up, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading this article like 15 years ago asking about whether if my avatar got baptized, if it was valid. Mm. Oh, that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. There were avatars 15 years ago? Yeah. You know, I mean, SimCity goes back to the 90s. No, that's true. You, that was- you know, so I mean, in various forms, it's been around for a while. I mean, I grew up playing those games. Roller coaster
2: tycoon, man. Oh, oh, that was the best. Can't say I lived in that world. No, there's a new version shooter guy. I was out playing with my friends. (laughs) No, you were making pudding pops, man. You made pudding (laughs) pudding earlier. Yes, for all my friends. (laughs) Well, Bill and I were close until it got weird.
3: (laughs) You and Fat Alert were just hanging out. Were you one of the Cosby kids? Go away, Bill. (laughs)
2: all right what
0: do we Uh, got
3: here i love that we keep going back to that um where did we go from here that's the question um let's see what is what is your advice for sharing your faith and having a dialogue with a non-christian especially if the person is cynical and abrasive how would you challenge them to think differently while understanding it'll take a lot more than one uh sitting to get them pointed in the right direction
0: Yeah. I mean, at some, but thank you for asking. I mean, this is, this is tough. Uh, A lot of us have really been there. And at some point, I mean, I've just really found you got to stop making yourself like a, you know, a point of abuse. You know, if someone does not want to hear and if someone is cynical and abrasive and abusive, every time it comes up, um, Jesus would say you're casting your pearls before pigs, his Mm -hmm. words, not mine. Um, and, And you might love the pigs, Right. But but he's got harsh words about it. You know, when he sends his disciples out two by two to minister, he says, if a town accepts you stay there as long as they'll have you. But if they don't shake the dust off your feet and go to the next town, I tell you the truth, it'll be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day than it will be for that town. Um, There are there are severe retribution and, and, and repercussions in Christ's judgment on that type of thing. I know that's hard because it's probably people you care about and people you love take heart in this. Jesus actually even loves him more than you, despite what it might sound from the justice that he'll bring over that. But if it's not going anywhere, I'm not saying never talk about it again, but if it's continually met that way, they're just not ready to hear it. And all that you say probably isn't going to do a lot of good. Now, one caveat, sometimes you need to pick a fight. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have seen this and I've heard from people that it's like, if you believe this, I want you to fight back and I want you to argue with me. Sometimes we get so skittish and so afraid uh, about any disagreement or any kind of, you know, staving off the bat. So you're going to have to kind of weigh this against, I think, the nature of the relationship that you're in and what the cynicism and abuse looks like. Is this someone who respects you as a peer you can go toe to toe with? Is this someone who's just, you know, has nothing but contempt for you? Um, that might determine a lot of this. Um be shrewd as snake and innocent as a dove in your conversations, to use Jesus' words. Um, pick your battles wisely. Um, you know, I, I don't think I would get so much into dropping the ulterior, like, like little message bomb every here and there. Sometimes I'll see people do that and it comes across kind of a little gross, you know, you know slick. Um, be you. Don't be ashamed of what you believe. If you get persecuted for that, that's fine, but you don't have to make a statement about it around everyone, every time, every place, especially if they don't want to hear it. And through there, pray hard and just trust what God is leading you in at the time. And don't feel guilty about it afterwards, but evaluate and maybe evaluate with someone that you know and who knows the person, you know, to, uh, to kind of wrestle out. Am I doing the right thing here? Yeah, it's pretty hard to kind of get, I think, more specific than that. Would you guys agree?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, without knowing. We both went.
3: I want to well, go first. <laughs> go um, I've, I've, you'll, Dave, you'll probably know who said this, but the phrase quote of always, always be preaching the gospel and when necessary, use
0: words. Yeah, it's, uh, it's attributed to I'm sure I'm messing Francis it up. of Assisi. That's right. Whether he actually said it, I don't know, but that's what attributed to, yeah.
3: Um, but that idea that um, how do you share your faith with someone without using your words? Because, yeah, if they're if they're not willing to listen to your words, if they're not willing to, you know, concede or have a discussion about that, there's still ways to preach the gospel to them. And that's that's through loving them. That's through caring for them. That's through showing God's grace to them, um, regardless of really how they're receiving it. It, Obviously, if it gets into a situation that it's unsafe for you to do that, or abusive, or those types of things, yeah, and I don't
0: think that's then, yeah, in sense that's what we were talking about here is like physical safety, but mm-hmm. just you know, getting yeah,
3: so I think pummeled, just know. just another way of thinking about sharing your faith. It doesn't have to be a conversation, or it or even a conversation directly about that. Yeah. It's it's how you're
0: presenting yourself, how you're holding yourself, how you're talking yeah. to people. Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on. You know, and even as you were talking, something else came to mind too that sometimes I think just calling people on it in a sincere way can do a lot of good. Simply going, why are you getting so angry about this? Mm. You know, not raising your voice, not shouting back and trying a couple rounds of of dialogue and they, you know, back. no, wait a minute. Why, Why is this upsetting you so much? Yeah. You know, and sometimes meeting someone there without getting dated and at the same time without getting browbeat can go a long way. Yeah, I would probably just
2: add a couple more things, which is one, I think to your point, a lot of non-believers or unbelievers or people that just have their guard up, there's so many misconceptions that they've probably have in their mind or misunderstandings that they've had along the way in their life in in some way. And you don't know where they're at, what's going on in their head with any of it. But I would say like, instead of trying to convert them Just invite them, you know, like, so I would really love, like, I can understand, like, if you're the person, David, you're being very cynical about this. Like, look, I get it. I understand. Like it's, it's, it's hard for me to believe sometimes, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. it is, you know, and I, and I have doubts all the time, Mm -hmm. but if there's one thing that I would love to have you do is just come with me one time or show up on a Sunday, one time, let me know when you're going to be there. Mm -hmm. And the reason I ask that is because I would love to hear your thoughts on one, the Mm -hmm. service, Two, the message, three, the music. And four, like overall, how was your experience? Like was it something that you actually thought
0: that it was in your head, or was it different in some way? And did these Christians live up to arguably the villain that you've made them, you know, in your mind? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And if you never want to come back, well, whatever. Yeah. Or if you have more to talk about and want to ask (laughs) questions. I don't know that I'll be able to answer them for you. Yeah. But I can show, show you someone who can.
0: Yeah. But hang in there because, you know, it, it's great that you're even having these conversations and that it's that these people are that important to you that you're willing to, uh, you know, risk abuse that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. What's next?
3: Yeah. If uh, there's a couple here dealing with kind of the, after, after death, heaven, new, new earth, that type of gotcha. stuff. So, so uh, if right. we die, we immediately go to be with God. What do you suppose Lazarus was doing during the four days he was dead before Jesus yeah. raised him? <laughs> kind of hanging out for a while, getting the lay of the yeah, land? Yeah, like, yeah, totally, what? right? I love this. <laughs> I love this. Moonshine
1: with Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moonshine, pudding pops. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: he was in show he was in the grave he was in the uh, uh hades to use the biblical use of the greek term descended he into in the, hell the, the the place of the dead yeah you got it you got it to use the apostle's creed not mean the fire and brimstone hell of course but uh um just the general place of the dead again what that state of existence is like is really not laid out too much but uh the, the dude was clearly dead you know four days and uh and, and, and the King James has the best way of putting this like to like after four days, they got to move the stone away. Right. Mm. And it says, and he stinketh. Oh, you know, Stinketh. Yeah. right. Yeah. Which is just like fantastic. Or at least someone told me that's what it's like. I guess I got to fact check that, but I think it does. And it, it sounds King James. I, I hope it says it that way. Right. We'll go with it.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I believe it. So on Sunday, you mentioned Anothen. Yeah. Right. And, and we were taking communion on Sunday. No, we were just praying on Sunday it was our team meeting afterwards right so before after the band rehearses and what now we get together all the all the volunteers and yeah. people who are serving that day get together and we pray and you mentioned anathen and this really there's no point to this story by the way <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking for something deep after this I was like how is this it, connecting well because you said something like, amusing. Yeah. you said stink if yeah. if mm. right the, sort of
3: got the, the, th- men, the and
2: the anathen but I thought, you know, like, I wonder, you reminded me of Daffy Duck when you said Anathan. <laughs> and so it's, I could just, the whole time in the service, yeah, every right. time you mentioned Anathan, I just kind of spit with the tongue you know, in there. I just kind of chuckled yeah. a little bit because yeah. yeah. I thought I, I, I was trying to envision Daffy Duck saying that word. So.
0: And by the way, Anathan is a Greek word for those of you that didn't tune in on Sunday. Um, and it comes out in John chapter three and a lot of other places. But Jesus says, you know, I tell you the truth. No one will inherit the kingdom of God unless he's been born. Amethen is the Greek mm. preposition there, and uh, it often gets translated again. It could get translated above. It could get kind of translated from the source or like from the roots or something like that too. And uh, there's probably an intentional wordplay. That's just some of the context yeah. here. But uh, yeah, I forgot um, Andrew wasn't there this week. Yeah, I was not there. Yeah, yeah, he was out at uh, tells you how much I the, the retreat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> By the way, nice job to, to uh, Steve Fromus for uh doing sound on sunday yeah so yeah we're thanks, up there solo. thanks for doing that step yeah first time i think yeah. right first time live i think second, first time maybe. on a sunday maybe on a sunday know. yeah possibly. yeah i think so
3: yeah what we'll a step up to the plate there yeah and the whole i mean the whole the whole team i was yep. uh, out at the high school retreat or high school and middle school retreat and zero cell signal no internet like not i, I managed to get one text from someone on sunday and they were like everything's going great it's sweet.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's kind of
3: that, right. I never know if someone's going to need something or something's not going to be working or whatever. And it seemed like every, everyone rolled with it and yeah. yeah, things went as smoothly as they can be, which is good. But I want to talk about the, on, on the retreat, something they do, which is really unique for, I think for youth groups on retreats is this is kind of a, not a silent retreat, but it's a very quiet, personal, reflective retreat. So across the, two and a half days, 48 hours, we probably spend six or eight of them in silence by yourself praying. And like not counting sleep
0: time. Yeah. Or theoretical sleep time. Right? Yeah.
3: So, I mean, you're spending chunks of two hours, you know, once or twice a day by yourself, praying, listening, reading. Um, and one thing that Gwen has said is she's told other, other youth people, youth leaders about that at other churches. And they're like, it seems absurd to them that kids would be able to do that
0: yeah.
3: and I, it was cool to be on on the retreat and see it because it's like there was no issues they had they had no problem sitting and, and reading or reflecting on the lord's prayer or praying through this thing or reading this psalm or, and they didn't need direction they didn't it was just like yeah they can spend time with god mm-hmm. and it, it i don't know it made me think a lot because I, it's like i never had that opportunity when i was in youth group it was like here i'm gonna teach at you for 15 minutes and then we're gonna go play a game mm-hmm. because that is all we can handle. I don't know. So it, it was cool to see of like, yeah. no, they can. I I mean, that was the first time for me that I'd spent
0: that much time by myself in prayer. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm like, how have I never had this opportunity
0: before? Yeah. And then you find yourself thirsting for it. It's yeah. Like, there's something about unplugging that way. Right. Yeah.
3: So it was, so it was to just do. very it cool. It was very
0: jolting at first. Your mind's wandering. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: But yeah. So I was like, how do oh, I cool. continue to bring that, bring that back? Now that I put I'm it into back practice home more. here and put it into practice, yeah, yeah just spending that time
0: yeah. when it's needed. We got another question here about um, like post death future stuff like that. If God is making a new heaven and new earth, is the current heaven perfect? Or can you sin in the current heaven? How and why is the current heaven so much better than the current earth? Good question. Let me take it in the reverse. The current heaven is so much better than the current earth because God is in the current heaven. And when you're in the presence of God, things are always better. All right. So that, that's kind of the short answer to that. Yeah. Um, regarding is the current heaven perfect? I guess it really defa- perfect is, a, is an interesting term.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, people use it in different ways. And sometimes they, they assume a meaning in it that I don't think is intended by it. Heaven is without sin. Heaven is in the goodness of God. But heaven as we know it right now is not in the complete state that God intended Um, so to speak. Heaven as we know it right now is in fact temporary. Um, God never intended a separation between heaven and earth. That's why Revelation will talk about a new heaven and a new earth when sin is no longer dividing creation and God in that unholy, holy divide anymore. So that's what we're looking forward to is when all that's kind of made right and fused back together again. So, uh, you know, is it perfect? Well, I'd rather just say it's kind of sin-free and it's wonderful and let's use the biblical language. It's better by far. Um, can you sit in the current heaven? Simple answer is no.
3: So if it's mentioned by the new heaven and new earth, the phrasing of that, because if, if we're saying that that divide <coughs> is gone between the
0: heavens and the earth, why, why are they using both terms? Because I think it's playing off the language of the reality of both. It's not like one's mm. evaporating, one plane of existence is destroyed, or something like that. I mean, the idea is it's becoming one thing uh, it, it, it's maybe maybe if i can use an analogy if you have a married couple and they get divorced and they reconcile the two become one again right
3: hmm.
0: uh, it, it's not like it's just one of them yeah so, so you're you're referencing them both as they come back to a oneness if yeah. you will yeah okay i mean yeah i'll go uh, with that you're gonna say it makes sense and then you, you pulled your punch on that a little bit yeah it yeah. doesn't make it, sense because but you can follow the i'm not
3: i'm not. God, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't need to make sense to me though. That's that's perfectly
2: fine. But we will reside on the new Earth. Yes. So who resides in the heaven? Well, it's it, it's it's fused. It's a new heaven, new Earth. Sure. So, so there like a portal going between the two. New that's heaven, totally. bridge, right? Right? Like <laughs> yeah. you know, on like, Super Mario yeah. Brothers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Mario Kart. Uh, I was thinking like you
0: yeah. know, Marvel and stuff. but Yeah, either one,
3: either one, one more Mar- oh, yeah. Super Mario Brothers on the green On the rainbow.
2: Pipe. Yeah. Oh no, the on on I'm saying Mario Kart. Oh, yeah, yeah, Super car, Mario Kart. We know Rainbow Road. Yeah, Rainbow Road. I'm gonna hop in, and you have to take this road, and it takes you right to heaven. So, so is I mean, it a sin
3: to throw shells and bananas at probably. other people? Is that sinning, or is that just I fun? don't know? Just like, those, are love, just fun. those are love.
0: Those are love bombs. Yeah, <laughs> and and you can fall off the road as many times as you want in heaven, right? And you are just right back on. it yeah, just resets, sure. and it's still all fun, and everyone likes each other. Yes, yeah. right. It's but out. but but I think I, I you know and and just so it isn't misunderstood, if you read like Revelation chapter 21. The big kind of image is the old heaven and the old earth has passed away. There's a new heaven and a new earth. John sees what he calls the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, meaning those who are dead in Christ coming down out of heaven from God. But now God coming down again, too, saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God will be with them and be their God. It's the idea that God is living among people, just like he used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, heaven is where God is at. Yeah. So if God is coming back, so to speak, heaven has, in a sense, manifested. And what you get is the fullest vision in picture of when God has removed all sin, set all things right, recreated all things the way that God always intended where there isn't division between him and creation anymore. I mean, heaven is not just a great piece of real estate that God happens to stumble upon. You know, I think that's how a lot of people think of heaven. Like, mm. oh man, that's a great place. Look, you got it on the lake somewhere. You know? No, what makes heaven is it's just... It's God dwelling it's, in heaven. it's It's in the tight presence of God. Yeah. And so if God is here, hence heaven, that's why the temple was always viewed as kind of like this intersection if you will between heaven and earth because it was the place where That's
3: what I was just going to ask came. about was the yeah. the the temple the holy of holies in the temple kind of a a glimpse of heaven.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it literally is uh Steve's Mario Bridge. You, you know, it's where they're joining if you will. Super thankful for that.
3: Yeah,
2: cuz he knows how much I like like go karts and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So.
3: There'll be there'll be a shop there you can work on. No unicorns. <laughs> I don't ride
2: horses. <laughs>
3: um, let's move here. Uh, how would you respond to someone who says they believe in God but not in His Word? That they believe the Bible is uh, fa- fail- fall- fallible. 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 There we okay. go. Because
0: it was written by mere men. I would say I think it's great that you believe in God. And I would piggyback off that to have a discussion. It's just simply to go, you know, what do you believe about God? And I'd love to hear what they have to say about that. And then I would share my own points of commonality of what I believe about God and maybe where I have a different opinion of God or different belief about God. And I'd I'd hope that they'd want to have that conversation. Um, And then I'd probably push the conversation a little further and to go, why do you believe what you believe about God? And, and what's your source for that? And kind of investigate that. And my bet is because it just makes sense to them or it kind of feels right or kind of in their own thinking. It just, you, you know, it's kind of where they landed or maybe they heard it somewhere or maybe it just kind of resonates with them. And then I would kind of share with them, you know, yeah, and I see a lot of that. And it kind of strikes me how a lot of people have a lot of beliefs about God and they don't really all agree. Um, and how I just found something in the Bible. Um To help guide me in that and kind of rest my feet in that as being somewhat of an authority, if you will, um, for understanding about God and guarding me against just making up my own things or my own wishful thinking or my own delusions. I mean, that's the real danger uh, against not believing in the Bible is is everyone's afraid to believe in the Bible because they feel like they're believing a fairy tale. But if you start putting your faith in yourself, you're just believing your own delusions or or you risk it, I I should say. Mm -hmm. You've just replaced one potential false narrative which has stood the test of time and has billions of adherents and 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 has proven itself again and again if you will with your own musings at commercial break you know and i think if you kind of flush it out that way you can start having some insightful kind of conversations into the bible and if there's some challenges people have on the Bible because they're like, okay, so it was written by men. Well, of course it was written by men. No one's ever denied that it's been written by men, but that doesn't mean it can't be true. The question isn't who is it written by, the question is, is it true? And if they're having issues with whether certain parts of it are true, well, I'll have that conversation and see what they're struggling with. And I guarantee you, there's a lot of great thinking and strong answers out there to a lot of these questions that really are not, they're good, but not original. Yeah. And you yeah. really do have to define, okay, so give me your definition of God.
2: Like, what does that mean to you? Are, are you talking about the Trinity, <clears throat> like Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Like, where who are you coming from? What is he?
0: Yeah, right. Because
2: I think that's where you actually have to get, you have to start from that foundation of like, okay, so who, who is in your mind? Who is God?
3: Who is God? Right? What's God like? Mm-hmm. Right. And I was wondering if, if they might not necessarily have an issue with
0: the word of God, with the Bible, but rather with some people's interpretation of it. Well, I think that's what I've often seen, and I don't even think it's even with people's interpretation of it. I think it's perceived interpretation of it, because most yes. people I've talked to that have this issue really have never read the Bible. Maybe they yeah. heard Psalm twenty three read at a funeral, or you know, seen a Bible verse splattered on like some Etsy wall hanging somewhere, or something like that. Um, been to church a few times, and kind of you know, you pick up snippets.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, like but, they, their their knowledge of the Bible is based on what someone else has told them about the Bible. So they don't necessarily have an issue with the Bible. They have an
0: issue with what that person is saying. But I'm even going a a step further going, and a lot of times people have even told them stuff accurately, like even about the Bible. They just Mm -hmm. pass their own kind of same naivety on, but going, well, it has to be bad or it has to be wrong or it has to be stupid because, you know, it symbolically stands for things against my beliefs, agenda, way of life, worldview, whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah. so I found yeah, it interesting that you
0: said that the Bible is
3: absolutely 100% written by man and no one's not saying that but in the same instance we're also saying that this is the divine inspired word of God of, of his, his word so it's is it one of those uh, kind of like the Trinity it's three in one like it's humans writing it's God's writing and it's both of those and one and the other at the same like
0: well except is, for like, is it kind of a, yeah.
3: a, a paradox in that way and that this is 100 percent written by man but also 100 percent written by god and you're like how the heck does that
0: work <laughs> uh, yeah and, and, and i think you gotta be careful with the language because except for the original 10 commandments which exodus says was inscribed by the finger of god everything else has been written by humans god did not write the text be it engraved on stone other than those first set you know the covenant law um and, and I love that story because it mostly got torched and smashed and God made him write the second set. You know, the, which <laughs> Get is out the crazy. chisel. Do it, Do it again. Do it again. Yeah, it's on you. <laughs> the handwriting <the> was handwriting <laughs>
3: probably not as good. I'm yeah.
0: Just, just, yeah. yeah. So. No, so, so, yeah, it's 100% written by human beings. Absolutely. With all their personality, with all their persuasions, with all their uh, situations in life, with all their grammar flaws and everything else in between. But that does not in any way negate someone being inspired by God. You know, God can move, dictate, if you will, um, guide the process and infuse it with his spirit, right? Both in the writing and in the effect of that writing, mm-hmm. if you will. So yeah, I mean if, if it doesn't feel paradoxical to me, but if that helps, sure. I mean Jesus is fully human.
2: Well no the word is
0: God. And yet he's fully God, right. So I don't see how any of that could even if it was
2: a human human writing it if the word is God, then it is infallible.
3: Well, so well, but John that, one, but that was written by a person.
0: But, uh, so it's just John one. So it when can be like circular in that It's way. not talking about the Bible. John one is in the yes. beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. But and I'm right? saying it's referring to Jesus. But not even the Bible. like
3: if if you're already having issues with the Bible, all of that is in the Bible that was written by a person. So like even. Like you, I would say you can't use that as a way to either defend your viewpoint or something like that, because it's taking the thing that they already don't believe is true and using that to defend why it's true. So it's like, it's, it's hard it to, difficulty. Yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah, but in, in the Bible it says this and you're like, okay, but I don't, I don't believe in that.
0: So yeah. where do you go? from And so there? then I think the basic question is simply, you, you know, you can get baited into a lot of uh, debates and fine points. And sometimes those are necessary because sometimes people just do have a really, really, what I would call fundamental stumbling block that can be addressed and worked through. when they go, oh, like, you know, the classic telephone game challenge to the Bible. Mm. Well, how can it be accurate because of the telephone game? And there, There's some really solid answers to why the telephone game doesn't really work with the transmission of the Bible. And you go, oh, but I think the more important thing is, you know, why don't you read it? J- just read it. And. Tell me what you think about what it says and not what you think it says or not all these perceived things that you're worrying about. And if you got challenges, bring challenges up. If there's things that you're scoffing at, oh, I'd like to hear that. Like, like what are you scoffing at? Maybe it's miracles. Maybe you just don't think miracles can exist in the world. Well, okay, we could have a conversation about that, right? And I think you just got to kind of approach it that way than looking for, like, what's that magic sentence that's going to, you know, suddenly change everything around here? Uh, Meet people on the journey, Mm -hmm. walk through their issues and encourage them to get into it for themselves and make up their own mind and not what they just hear. So I have one other question on that that we'll probably have to get to next week. We have a minute. I know, but I'm wondering, is is God
3: still inspiring people's writing today?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And that does not mean that that writing is authoritative, Mm -hmm. because what sets the Bible apart is it's authoritative. Inspiration is part of that okay um but it's 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 what are you going to use to be that authority or judge if you will in determining your beliefs about god and right and wrong and life and things of that nature uh, but no certainly i mean the gift of prophecy for example is is clearly spoken about throughout the new testament um and i don't think god is like um uh, you know i'm kind of i'm butchering half of it so I, <laughs> no i mean you know god can still work through people and does all the time yeah, uh, look at these through people and yeah you name it yeah you got it You got it. All right. There's one more. I just want to knock out really quick. I saw pop in. Were the seven days of creation actually 24 hour days? Most likely. All right. I'll leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) We are out of time here today. Thank you for tuning in. Um, This is questions you never thought you could ask in church. I think we got to a lot of the questions that came in live during. I know we have some more in the inbox And if we didn't get to your question today, we've got it here. So don't worry. It's important to us. We know it's important to you. And we take it sincerely and seriously. We know this is part of your spiritual journey. So we will get to it as soon as we can. We're we're live every Wednesday afternoon at 12.30 p.m. Central Time. So catch us next week, and and it'll be up at the top of the list. Likewise, if you missed past recordings or if you've submitted a question, you didn't hear it answered, go go back and search because I bet we got to it. Um, Pop on Spotify or whatever your podcast provider is, search questions you never thought you could ask in church, or join us at fellowshipoffaith.org. Go to the FOF Plus page and you'll find all the recordings right there as well. Hey, God bless. God loves you. His grace is unlimited. He wants to have a relationship with you. And uh, um, don't be afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah. Let him meet you right where you're at. God bless.